0: If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to invite you to open with me to Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3. Jonah is um, a biblical book tucked away with a bunch of other books that sound more like Star Wars characters, and they do Bible characters. You know, Nahum, Obadiah, Jonah, Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, Chewbacca, you know, all those, if, if that helps at all. But uh, I am so excited about where we are going to be in the Word for the next two weeks. For Over the next two weeks, we are going to look at what it means for us to be immersed in the mercy and grace of God, what it means for us to have our hearts captured by God, and what it means for us to be propelled into the, the mission of God. And let me just go ahead um, and just come out swinging just a little bit. Um, just to make it very clear, the vision of our church is not to gather an audience who will be ministered to by me and a few other people. That is not the vision. The vision of our church is to have an army raised up that will impact the world for Christ. So not an audience, we want an army. We want an army. Or let me just say it this way, if your thoughts about church doesn't go any deeper then you gathering with a few people who, just like you, aren't going to hell, um, and you share all the same opinions with those people, then your thinking is probably way too small. (laughs) Um, Again, we are not an audience of people who are sitting here with a get-out-of-hell-free card, um, and we just meet together to judge the happenings of our organization. That is not who we are. Let me tell you who we are. We are an army empowered by God to shake the very gates of hell. That is who we are. We are an army empowered by God to shake the very gates of hell. So if you don't know that or don't believe that, then your knowledge and your thoughts aren't where they need to be. In fact, they're too small. And so we need to kind of catch up to who God is and what God has appointed us to be. So this is where the word brings us today. So let me, I kind of forgot, let me say welcome to week three of our series that has us walking through the the book of Jonah where we are looking at the story of a man, a nation, a big fish, and a gracious God. And let me just do a real quick review, just in case some of you might have missed um, where we have been. God, the holy, almighty God, um, calls places a calling upon a prophet named Jonah to go and preach judgment, but also a message of mercy to the wicked people of Nineveh. But because of their wickedness, because of their cruelty, especially against Israel, Jonah did not want to go. In fact, he did not want God to forgive them at all. His thought was if any nation was deserving of judgment, it was Nineveh. I saw a small taste of that thought process this past Thursday. Myself and Misty took Malachi to get his shots um, leading up to his kindergarten so he can be admitted into kindergarten and the nurse comes in, and she's talking. She's asking us questions about our adoption, and really sweet, and Malachi's really not really sure of what to think about it, and then the nurse asks Missy to put him in um, her lap, so she does, and she then begins to attack both arms with the shots, and I'm just behind him, making him look at me saying, buddy, look at me, I have no part to do with this. This is all them, I have nothing to do with this. So he is screaming, he's crying, the nurse walks out, I guess with our adoption story on her mind, and then for some reason she walks right back in the room and the first thing on her mind, and she says, Malachi, aren't you happy to be in America? And he stops crying. He looks at her and says, no. (laughs) And And I thought to myself, I mean, of course not. You wicked people, you inflict this pain on me. Why would I be happy to be here? What are you thinking? And just, that has to be just a small glimpse of, just a very, very small glimpse of what Jonah had to be thinking in that moment of God saying, Aren't you happy that I'm sending you to Nineveh? No. No, there are wicked people who have done cruel things against us. So instead of hopping on a camel heading to Nineveh, Jonah instead hops on a ship heading 2,500 miles away from Nineveh. Some scholars believe it would take about a year to get to where Jonah was going. And so Jonah is not just running away from the command of God. According to chapter 1, verse 3, he's running, running away from the presence of God trying to get as far away from God as possible. But thankfully, God would not allow him to sin successfully. So God prepares a great fish, and that great fish swallows Jonah, and Jonah is in the belly of that great fish for three days and for three nights. And as I said last week, personally and pastorally, I believe that Jonah was literally in the belly of a fish three days and three nights because, first of all, the Word of God declares it. I don't have to explain it away. I don't have to look for a scientific Picture here the word of God declares it and my God is able. But also because Jesus believed it. In Matthew 12, Jesus believed it. He declared that Jonah was in the belly of the fish. But just follow with me here. You would think that if a fish swallows you, it's pretty much the end of your story, right? I mean, a fish swallows you, your story is done. It's complete. But when it comes to God, things that should be endings have a... Amazing way of being beginnings. Things that should be the end of the story have a way of being the beginning of a new story or a new chapter in our lives. So Jonah, having been in the belly of the fish for three days, finally seeks the Lord in prayer, surrendering his will to the will of God. And as I said last week, the belly of a fish is a terrible place to live, but it's a great place to learn. It's a great place to learn. And so Jonah learned. So chapter 2 ends with the big fish vomiting Jonah on, on dry land. We had a lot of fun with that um, last Sunday night, hearing our kids be able to say regurgitation over and over again. It was, if you weren't here last Sunday night, it was a blessing to, to hear that. But think about this. He's vomited on dry land, but even that is not the end of the story. I love the words of Paul Van Gorder, which give us a glimpse of where the story is heading today. He says this, Although Jonah had gone through a traumatic experience, that's an understatement, and had reaffirmed his faith in God, he still needed to fulfill the Lord's commission to him. The Lord said again, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Jonah did not hesitate this time. The consequence of his previous experience had made him obedient. And I love this part. He was now a God-called man with a God-given message on a God-directed mission. This is who he was. So what I want us to do this morning, as, I, as I've been saying all along, let us dive in, pun intended, to chapter 3 of this book, and we will hear this morning about the scandalous grace of our God. So if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to read Jonah chapter 3, just the 10 verses there, and we're going to hear and soak in this grace of God um, to his people to us. So verse 1, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was a seemingly great city, three days journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey and he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you today, and we are so thankful that you are a God of second chances. We are so thankful for your mercy and your grace towards us. God, just speak to us today everything that you have for us to hear. May we hear it. May we obey it, O oh God. Just speak, Lord, for we are listening. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So just think about how this begins. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And we're about to unpack that, those two words in, in just a second. But let me just say this. Aren't you thankful That God is a God of second chances. How are you thankful that our God is a God of second chances? And let me just place two footnotes here before we kind of dive in. The first is a warning from from Jonah's downfall before the second chance. So understand this. Jonah sinned against God, and he was punished. It wasn't just a skated free, and then eventually he came to his senses with, with no scars whatsoever. No, he was punished. And let's remember his downfall, but also let's remember that his duty... Did not change. And we're about to look at that in just a second, but we've got to be careful that we don't just read Jonah 1 and then skip the Jonah 3 and forget everything else that happened in the middle. Um, What happened in the middle was God getting Jonah's attention, God capturing Jonah's will. In fact, God had to almost kill him in order to get his attention. Had to almost kill him to get his attention in order to restore him. And let me just say this. There are some of you in this room this morning that you are in need of a second chance. And by God's grace, you are here this morning because he desires to give you that chance. He desires that. That's why you're here. In fact, God delights in that part of his ongoing story. He delights in showing mercy and grace to us. Yet notice with this second chance, don't miss this. God didn't just clean the slate, and God didn't just move on to an assignment that Jonah would like. God didn't just say, okay, Jonah, you're forgiven. Now you tell me what you want to do, and I'll sign off to it. No, he was forgiven, but God said, do what I asked you to do in the beginning. God brought him right back to the same place where Jonah had earlier said no. And here's a word this morning for us. If you will listen To the Spirit of God today, you will recognize that God might be bringing you back this morning to a very familiar place. In fact, God might be bringing you back to a place that you would hope He would not bring you to. In fact, it's a place that you said no to Him. It might have been years ago, it might have been months ago, it might have been weeks ago, it might have been days ago. But God is bringing you back. And for some of you, maybe God is telling you today, repent. It's time to repent. It's time to turn from your sin. It's time to turn from those things that you're trusting in that's not me. For others of us, God might be telling us today that we need to go to a person, a place, or a people and share the gospel with them. And we might be saying, but God, I don't want to. I don't want to. And God's saying, I don't care what you want to do. This is my will. Do it. Others of us, listen to this, God might be calling you to forgive someone. Or God might be calling you to make right your wrongs and to own up to to your sin and and make a wrong right. Right. Let me just say this, whatever God is asking of you today, God has every right to ask it of you. Whatever it is that God is asking of us today, he has every right to ask that of us. And when we think about the story of Jonah, understand this, Jonah was not being disqualified. Jonah was being disciplined so that he would be brought to a place of obedience. Sometimes we feel disqualified, don't we? We feel like, God, I've got to be done got to be done. I've done this. I've got to be done. And yet the story of Jonah reminds us that past failures do not prevent us from future use. They do not prevent us from being used by God again. So what I want us to do this morning, I want us to, to unpack Two, just two today, not three, not four, just two um, amazing truths that leap off the pages of Jonah chapter three. But these are going to be two, I believe, that will just rock us to the core of us that we need to hear today. So the first truth is this. We must celebrate the mercy of God. We must celebrate the mercy of God. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second Time, everything in the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation is founded in those two words, second time or second chance. Think about it. Adam and Eve, in an act of outrageous rebellion against God, disobeyed him. And they face the consequences of their sin without a doubt. But God's immediate response to them, if you read the rest of Genesis 3, God's immediate response is to promise them a second chance. Think about this. God comes to Adam and Eve after they sinned against him in a heinous way. And God looks at Adam and Eve and says, This sin is not going to be the end of your story. Just think about that. It's not going to be the end of your story. So everything that God did from there, every weird story that we read about in the Old Testament, even of fish swallowing people, is God's way of showing us that He is, in fact, a God of the second chance. He is the God of the comeback. The fact that these words, second time, appear in our Bibles, they appear there because God is gracious It's God's grace to us that they appear there because God wants us to understand that there is no sinful action that can't be turned around by His glorious grace. There's no sinful action that you and I have ever participated in that He can't turn around by His grace. Is there any praise in your heart for that? There should be today that God is gracious in turning around our sinful actions by his grace for his glory. And it's amazing to me that God would even have patience on Jonah at all. You ever thought about this? This, this kind of patience is not in us as it should be. It's not in us as it should be that God would have patience with him. Yet this is our God, the one who held Jonah's body together. The one who gave him the breath he was breathing. And yet Jonah shook his fist at God and said, Whatever you want me to do, that, going to Nineveh, I'm not going to do it. And so Jonah tries to go as far away from God, go to the other end of the universe to get away from God. And yet God looks at that man and says, I'm going to give him another chance. Do we really understand the mercy of God? When was the last time you celebrated his mercy towards you? And just think about this. God's mercy doesn't just stop with Jonah. It extends all the way to the people of Nineveh, the wicked people of Nineveh. These two stories are connected by the fact that God used a person to whom he extended a second chance to to also extend another chance to a wicked people. So Jonah goes to Nineveh, he proclaims an eight-word message, or eight words in English is actually five words um, in in Hebrew. But the message is this, yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Does that do anything to us? You know, that doesn't send any tingles down our back, that doesn't give us like the word of encouragement for the year. As we're going to see next week, Jonah's heart wasn't even in this message. This was probably not the best message he had ever preached and, and according to some preachers, he didn't, even, um, he didn't even bring the net in. He didn't even tell people what they needed to do. He just said, judgment's coming. And that's basically the message. judgment. He didn't say repent. He didn't say call out to God. He didn't say any of, of those things, which shows us very, something very important. It shows us that people aren't converted by eloquent speech. They're converted by the power of God. For at the end of the day, please hear this, Jonah wasn't dealing with skeptics that needed to be convinced. He wasn't just dealing with bad people who needed to become good. He was dealing with spiritually dead people who needed to be made alive, and only God can do that. Only God can take what is dead and bring them back to life. For as we saw last week in verse 9, salvation belongs to the Lord. And this is so good, but don't miss the fact that the clock was ticking on Nineveh. Don't miss the fact that Jonah said to them, 40 days. You've got 40 days. In fact, what do we we see from that? That we can't presume upon the mercy of God. We can't just presume because God had mercy and gave us um, a chance and, and was able to restore all of the circumstances last time that he'll do the same this time. Sometimes... We have to suffer the consequences for the things that we do. And Jonah had to suffer the consequences of what he went through. But here's the the point. The point is, God doesn't owe us mercy. But because God is gracious, he gives us mercy. And when he does, get this, we owe him obedience. God doesn't owe us mercy. He is gracious, so therefore he extends mercy to us. But when he does, we owe him obedience. We owe him obedience to whatever it is he's telling us to do. And I love verse 5. Look at verse 5. It says this, And the people of Nineveh believed God. You know what it doesn't say? The people of Nineveh believed Jonah. I mean, Jonah's already made it. He doesn't have much to be believed in. I mean, Jonah's not the most believable guy. We don't need to hold out hope for Jonah here. Jonah's kind of a disappointment all, all throughout this. He's the villain of this story so far. The big fish is not the villain of the story. Jonah is the villain of the story. But yet Jonah opened his mouth and the people get this, believed God. They believed God. The wicked people of Nineveh believed God. That would be like saying all of Hollywood has turned to Jesus. I mean, that would be like saying that. I mean, just think about that. Think about what that would mean. And the point is that God's mercy is so amazing that He desires to forgive and to, to save those that sometimes we would never even want to share the gospel with because we think there's no way God would save them. And yet God saves them. In fact, listen to verse 10. Verse 10. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented. And understand, that word relented doesn't mean God changed his mind because the Bible tells us very clearly God cannot change his mind. What it means is this. God had compassion on them. He had compassion. He had mercy. He had grace upon them. He relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. And maybe we think, well, What's the big deal then? If God says he's going to do something, and he doesn't do it, then um, why do we do anything? And understand what God was doing in this moment is God was acting in accordance with his character. This is who God is. In fact, um, in Jeremiah 18, God says to Jeremiah, or through Jeremiah, these words, listen to this. God says in Jeremiah 18, 7 and 8, if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, And if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I have intended to do to it. That's the character of God, brothers and sisters. That's the nature of God. God says, if I tell a nation, I'm going to destroy them if they don't repent. And if they repent, I will have compassion on them because that is who I am. And the hope of the universe is found in those two words, second time. The story of the Bible is a story about fresh starts and about new beginnings. Therefore, brothers and sisters, do not listen when the message that's coming into your ears is you're done. You've gone too far. You're not going to come back from this. Do not listen to that filthy, horrible, spiritually paralyzing lie. It's a lie straight from the pits of hell. Don't listen to it. Understand that God doesn't have a border in life where grace stops flowing on us. There's not a border. There's not a place that you go to where God's grace stops flowing on you. Did you know that according to the, the word of God, God's grace even flows upon unbelievers? It's called common grace. His In fact, they're able to breathe and walk and have some earthly successes because of the grace of God. There's no place that we can go in this life that God's grace stops flowing on us or to us. We need to praise Him for that. That means, what that means for us is that there is no human being so broken, there is no sin so deep and powerful that it lives outside of the grace and mercy of a God who is able to give us a second chance. Therefore, celebrate His mercy. Celebrate the mercy of God. We must celebrate the mercy of God. Have you forgotten how much you need His mercy? Have you forgotten how much you need His mercy and grace, not just for your salvation, but every day of your life? Celebrate the mercy of God, which leads us to the second truth. Not only must we celebrate the mercy of God, secondly, we must participate in the mission of God. We must participate in the mission of God. If you look on the screen, you can see the very first two verses of Jonah 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for the evil has come up against me. Now look at chapter 3, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, Go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Think about this. The only thing that changed in between Jonah 1 and Jonah 3 was the will of Jonah and the opportunity that some people in Nineveh had. Think about the size of Nineveh. The Bible tells us it's a three-day journey. Most people believe that Jonah walked through, through um, Nineveh three days. But then also think about the fact that Jonah had previously been in the belly of a great fish for three days and three nights. And then consider, then consider the fact that there were people in Nineveh who died during those three days who were not able to hear the message because Jonah refused to take it to them. So Jonah's will changed, but also there were people who lost the opportunity To hear the message. And this is where we see that God's instrument to us, to a people, is his word. The word of God is not just about information. It's not just about commands. This word, get this, this word has power in it. It is power. The Bible says of itself, it's living and powerful. It's living and active. There's power in this word. So here's the important part for us today. The word, this word can't do its work where people haven't heard it. This word cannot do its work where people haven't heard it. Which means that our objective is to get the word of God to people. We've got to get the word of God to people. Not our political opinions. Not what we think our nation needs. We need to get people the word of God. People don't need our opinions. Our opinions don't save. This word saves. This word is the hope of the world. Your and my opinion, not the hope of the world. Not the hope of the world at all. People don't need more of me. People need more of Jesus. And that's the point of what we have to get into people's lives. God is at work every day all around you. But there's one thing that he will only do through you. And that is speak his word let me give you kind of a deep thought here in the book of acts book of acts we see the amazing book that shows the the early church spreading the gospel throughout the world but did you know that in the book of acts the only beings that preach the gospel are humans Acts has a whole lot of wild and crazy stories of God's power and His miracles. We hear Jesus in the book of Acts talking to to Saul and and Paul. Angels are talking to Peter and others. All kind of things are going on in the book of Acts to just make us stand in awe of God. Yet, the gospel in in the book of Acts is only proclaimed out of human mouths. Let me just give you a few. In Acts 8, an Ethiopian eunuch is reading Isaiah. God, through the Holy Spirit, calls Philip to leave a revival and to go and to proclaim the gospel to that Ethiopian eunuch. In Acts chapter 9, you have this picture of Saul meeting Jesus, understanding that Jesus is alive, is is absolutely captured in that moment by Christ, but yet his eyes are blinded, he is taken to a place where the scales don't fall off until God ordains a man, Ananias, to come to him and to speak to him. Think about that. In Acts chapter 10, there's a man named Cornelius who is a God fearing Gentile. He's praying to God. An angel comes to Cornelius. Get this the angel comes to him and doesn't say, Cornelius, you need Jesus. The angel comes to him and says, Cornelius, call for Peter. And so Cornelius calls for Peter, and Peter um, has this vision. Remember this? Peter has this vision, pigs in a blanket. And they're coming down from heaven. And Peter's saying, I don't eat pigs in a blanket, Lord. And the Lord says, don't call unclean what I've called clean. Go. So Peter goes to Cornelius and gets this. Peter shares the gospel. And Cornelius and his family are saved. This is the picture all the way through the book of Acts. The point is made all the way through this book. That the word of God has to be spoken through human vessels. But then we speak it and then, get this, God does the rest. We speak the word, God does the rest. And so what Jonah is doing here is Jonah is walking into the city, and even though he doesn't know it, he is sharing the gospel. The gospel that has been revealed up to that, that time, up to that point. And I don't know if you know this, I, I said this on Wednesday night. Did you know that the word gospel was not originally a religious word? we turned it into a religious word but it was not originally a religious word the word gospel was a greek word that was used in times of war so think about think about sparta so we think about greek think about the spartans so the spartans would go out to war and whoever would win would, would then send a messenger back to their city. So if Sparta went off to war and Sparta won the war, which mostly happened, that's what normally happened when the Spartans went out to war, they would then send a messenger back to Sparta. And do you know what the messenger would take to the city? The gospel, the good good news. That's what he would take. And there's a really cool story associated with this. How many of you know that there is a literal place in Greece called Marathon? Anybody know the Okay, a few of us, there's a place in Greece called Marathon. And just for your information, Marathon is 26 miles away from Athens. Now, 26.2 miles is what it takes to run a marathon today, although I don't even like driving 26.2 miles, let alone running it. So that's just my own little story, my own little, little picture here. But just follow with me here. History tells a very tremendous story of a, of a battle that's taking place at the coast of Marathon between Persia in Athens. Marathon was being invaded, so the Athenians sent their army down to Marathon, but there wasn't much hope because they were outnumbered 4 to 1. So the Persians outnumbered them 4 one. Yet in a remarkable turn of events, the Athenians won the battle. So after they won the battle, they assigned a messenger to run the gospel back 26 miles to Athens. And there's way more to the story. There's a lot that led up to it, so you can go back and kind of check that out yourself. But this guy runs the message 26 miles back to Athens, becoming the first marathon runner. He took the gospel 26 miles back to Athens. He ran into the middle of the city, and he shouts out, Nike, or as we would say it in America, or in our our English language, Nike. um, Kind of what we wear, but it's the picture. of. He says, victory, victory is what he begins to proclaim. And then get this, and then he drops dead on the spot. He runs 26 miles to the city. He proclaims a message of victory, and then he drops dead on. On the spot, he drops dead with the gospel, a message of victory, of good news on his lips. Let that sink in. Oh, to God that we would die with the gospel on our lips. That we would die with Jesus on our lips. But but back to Jonah, think about this. Where this marathon runner died after sharing the gospel, Jonah had to die before Meaning Jonah had to die to himself before he was able to share the gospel. His self had to die. His will had to get out of the way in order for him to open his mouth and proclaim the gospel. And although reluctant, Jonah became a herald of the gospel. And maybe you're saying, well, I don't see good news in those eight words. Those eight words kind of seem rough. When you you think about it, 40 days and none of us shall be overthrown. How is that good news? And let me just say this. The good news is so good because the bad news is so bad. That's what makes the good news so good. The bad news is so bad. So Jonah shared the message, and do you know what happens? Revival happens. Revival happens, and don't miss this. Our role is not to decide when revival happens. God does that. Our role is to tell and to pray. So let let me end this way this morning. And this is when I pray it begins to get a little heavy. Who is the Nineveh in your life? Just think about that this morning. Who is the Nineveh in your life? Who is the person? Who are the people? Where is the place whom you are refusing to tell the gospel? Because you don't like them? or because you think there's no way, God, they would ever respond, so therefore there's no need for me to do it, or I've tried it before, it didn't work, I'm not going to do it. Again, who is your Nineveh? Who's the place that you know God has placed in your heart to tell, and yet right now in this moment you're refusing to tell? And then answer this question, what of God's grace in your life is lacking that you refuse to go and tell them? What if God's grace in you is lacking that you refuse to tell them? Which leads us to to this. I think it leads us to an action. May we commit today in this heavy moment, get this, to get the word of God into the hands of people. Or the ears of people. Knowing that according to Romans chapter 10, get this, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word. I want to challenge some of you today. And I, I'm even give give you a resource. Have something I want to give you and just keep this with you. It's called Taste and See, but what it is, it's a, a list of 31 verses. And keep this with you. Keep it in your Bible at work, wherever you might go. And when you come across someone that you know God is working their lives, give them this. And say, hey, would you spend the next 31 days, just one verse a day, read it, Ask God to show you what it means, write it down, and then every week we'll come back and talk about it. You know what you're doing? You're getting the word of God into their life. And you know what happens? God works. God works works so i'm going to provide those a little bit later for those who might want that we will give those as a resource but will we commit to getting the word of god into the hearts and lives of people share the word as we say around here don't let the word of god stop with you let the word of god spread through you don't be a stopping place for the word of god and then not just get the word to people will we commit to pray for the lost around us if salvation belongs to the Lord, and we know that it does, then asking God to do what only He could do should be our greatest resource. And unfortunately, think about this, brothers and sisters, Jonah was not the example of this. Jonah wasn't praying for Nineveh, was he? He wasn't praying for Nineveh at all. And maybe up until today, we haven't been praying for our Nineveh, but get this, Christ has. You might not be praying for your Nineveh, but Christ has been praying for your Nineveh. And when you and I begin to pray for our Nineveh, we are joining in the prayers of Christ. Here's a convicting question that I, w- I read this week and I was confronted with this week. And it brought so much conviction to my life that I could not just keep it to myself. I had to bring it to you. But listen to this question. If God answered in one fell swoop every prayer that you prayed last week, would anybody new be in the kingdom of God? Or would you just have more stuff and less problems? Think about that. If God answered every prayer you prayed at all last week, here's a couple of scenarios. Number one, would nothing happen because you didn't spend any time whatsoever praying? Number two, would there be people in the kingdom of God because you spent time seeking God for the souls of your family, your friends, your neighbors, asking God to do what He could do, only He can do, which is to save them? Or would the only thing change in our lives is we'd have more stuff and less problems? What would it be? My whole point is that God is at work all around you. In fact, let me say this. God wanted to and he could. He wanted to save Nineveh. The problem was Jonah. I believe with all my heart that God wants to save those around us. The problem just might be us problem might be you and me. In fact, what did we read last week? Jonah chapter 2, verse 8 says, Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake the hope of steadfast love, or those who trust in idols forsake the grace that could be theirs. And when you and I trust in anything other than God, not only do we forsake the grace of God, we aren't going to have the grace of God to share to others. Therefore, we become the problem. And yet today... His mercy and his word has come to us a second time. His mercy and his word has come to us yet again. What will we do with his mercy? What will we do with his grace? Will we take his word and share it to others? And will we pray like never before for the lost around us? Let me just give you one more quote about the mercy We've got to love this from Charles Spurgeon. He says this, God's mercy is so great that you may sooner drain the sea of its water or deprive the sun of its light or make space too narrow than to diminish the great mercy of God. Therefore, again, brothers and sisters, let us celebrate like never before the mercy of God over our lives and then let us like never before share his mercy with someone else. All for his glory. I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to call Brother Frank and the musicians forward, and whatever God has shared with us, we are going to ask that we obey. I don't know what that means, but I do know this. Have we been obedient to the word of God? Are we doing what we know God has called us to do? Maybe, as I said from the beginning, maybe today God is calling us right back, just like Jonah, to the same command he gave us last time we said no. And we have a choice to make. Either we're going to go, no, God, I I meant it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to continue to come to church and play games and do all that, but I'm not going to do it. And we'll see where that goes. Or maybe today is a day that God will not only capture our will, but also our heart. And we'll say, yes, God, I, I want your will. Your will hasn't changed, and I want it. I want it. So let's pray together. Father, we come before you today and God as we said before you have every right to ask us to do anything whether it's repent and turn from sin oh God may we do it whether it's forgive someone God of something they've done to us or whether it's to go to someone and make a wrong right to own what we have done and to make it right and to ask them to forgive us or maybe it's to go to a person that we know you told us to go to And maybe we didn't get the response we wanted, so we stopped. Or maybe we didn't go at all. And today, again, your word is coming to us. And we have a choice to make. Our will or yours. Oh, God, today, Lord, help us to be captured by your will. Help us to go, Lord, and to proclaim your word. And help us to also pray for the lost all around us. God, help us to even be presumptuous, God. To bother you, as your word tells us. And ask you to do what your word has said, that, Lord, if any will call upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. Save those around us, God. God, open our hearts to see their need. Do what only you can do, O God change our hearts and then change theirs we pray these things in jesus name amen